You're listening to the Names Not Numbers podcast with me, Julia Hobsbawm of Names Not Numbers and Editorial Intelligence in association with the Financial Times. Good afternoon. Thank you all for uh, coming back here uh, this afternoon. I'm Mark Henderson. I'm uh, Head of Communications at the Wellcome Trust, and we're very pleased to present uh, the session this afternoon. We first of all have a bright idea. Uh, The Wellcome Trust is a a global charitable foundation uh, dedicated to extraordinary improvements in health, and one of the uh, five challenges uh, that we have set ourselves for research, uh, both in uh, medical science uh, and also in the medical humanities and and, and public engagement with science, is understanding the brain. And I hope that uh, we will uh, start to uh, answer to a degree, at least this afternoon, what we can and can't say uh, in relation to that. Uh, First of all, we are delighted to introduce uh, Zach and Laura Schwartz, who are going to uh, start us off uh, with a bright idea, uh, talking about the uh, charitable work they do uh, in education in Africa uh, in memory of uh, Zach's sister. Thank you very much. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Zach. This is Laura. Um, So um, today I want to talk to you about uh, a story about personal connections. Um, but distant connections of the mind and within the society. Um, the story I want to talk about is one that had a tragic, en- a tragic start, but hopefully an ending full of hope. It's about how my family took a tragedy and used it to make new connections with children living in poverty on the opposite side of the world. Kind of two negatives as such to create a positive. This is my sister Zoe. Uh, Sorry, I've never actually spoken about this. Um, Thirteen years ago, she took her own life. She had suffered from bipolar depression for a number of years and gave up trying to fight it in the year 2000. Something had gone wrong with the connections in her mind. She was loved and a loving young woman who had lost hope and couldn't connect to the world around her. So on August the 22nd, she drove herself to a train station and jumped in front of the high-speed train from London. I still remember every bit of that day, I remember how I found out and what it was like coming home. But Zoe was amazing and she had a particular way of listening to people that made them feel really special. Whether it was a three-year-old niece, a Brixton pool-playing hustler or old family friends. I remember as a teenager my friend Ian saying that she was the only adult he had ever felt really listened to, to him and cared about what he had to say. But unfortunately, as her bipolar developed and her behaviour became more erratic, she also had the ability to break these connections in an instant. I'm Zach's wife, and I never actually met Zoe, but I know from everything Zach and his family have told me about her that we would have become really good friends. Eight years of life without her had passed before I met Zach, but her spirit was still very much alive in the Schwartz family, and I kind of felt like I did know her after, after getting to know them. Not long after I met Zach, one of his sisters, Tanya, decided to do something positive in Zoe's name, something in her memory that she would have been proud of, a way of talking about and connecting with Zoe that wasn't about her depression or about her tragic death, but that drew on the energy and drive she had for helping others. Tanya set up a charity called the Zoe Sorogeny Education Trust, a small organisation that would be supported by friends and family of Zoe, people that had a personal connection to her or to the people that she loved. The aim was to help children living in poverty in Africa go to school and to get a better standard of education. Tanya had previously visited a small community in KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa and had a friend, Bridget, who ran an education trust there. 
the, the model Tanya and uh, my family developed was all about allowing Bridget to help us match sponsors in the UK. Bridget, Tanya's friend, knew who all the people, that the vulnerable people in, in Ingravuma were and allowed them to connect with Tanya. The Zoe Trust would then appoint a sponsor. A sponsor would donate money that either paid for a child's school fees or helped the basic needs of child-headed families. And child-headed families are those where both parents have often died of HIV or, or an AIDS-related illness and therefore the, old, the oldest child is, is looking after them. For Tanya, it's always been really important that sponsors felt a connection to the children and family they were supporting. After all, we're asking for a long-term commitment to get kids all the way through school, not just one-off donations. And it's really important that this trust doesn't become a faceless charity where a lot of money gets lost up in admin. So sponsors really get to know the children through regular reports, letters, photos, everything demonstrating how the money that we raise really goes to help these children and those that need it most. Um, in 2011, Zach and I took a career break and went travelling, and Tanya asked us if perhaps we might like to add South Africa to our itinerary, specifically this small town in Guavuma. We didn't really take much convincing, because we kind of wanted to go anyway. Um, and we'd signed up as sponsor of a 14-year-old boy called V when the charity initially launched. We'd had some communication with him over the year and were keen not only to meet him and the other kids and families, um, but also to help Tanya out, to see how things were running on the ground in Ingravuma, to see if what she was doing was worthwhile, if people were genuinely feeling the benefit, and whether if the work of the Trust was in any way helping to change the lives of people that lived there. We obviously expected to have an incredible experience and to meet children and families with heartbreaking stories, to be inspired by the carers and mentors working within the community. We expected to make a connection, and we did. But I don't think either of us quite realised, actually, um, how deep a connection we would make or how that would help us to create connections with our friends and colleagues back in the UK when we returned. So over the period of weeks we were there, we got to know a few people in the community. Um, we want to give you a, a couple of examples. Uh, one was a lady called Michelle who had adopted 15 orphans because she was outraged at you know, what was going on to these kids. And to help educate them, she set up a school called Katani. This is now considered the best school in the area. Um, sorry, here's some of her, her children. Um, and this school has now grown from her original 15 children that she adopted to a school of more than 80 children. Um, it's this school that the Zoe Trust supports, and we sponsor children to attend this school, and hopefully with a better quality of education, helps them get out of the cycle of poverty that they live in. Um, we could give you tons of examples but we'll give you just one more um, and it's probably the girl who made the biggest impact on us while we were there um, an 11 year old orphan called Namvula she was a wonderful intelligent confident young girl excited about the world and about her future Tanya's friend Bridget who is our contact in the community told us that she thought Namvula would become the first female president of South Africa and to be honest after getting to know her we wouldn't be surprised if that happens Navula is now 13 and just recently we received some big news for Navula and for the charity. Thanks to the support from her Zoe Trust sponsors, that's elder sister Abby, sitting over there, um, Navula was able to attend Katani School. And as a result of her schooling there, she's actually uh, received a sponsorship to attend one of the top schools in South Africa in Durban. A school well known for producing some of the country's great leaders. So Bridget's prediction could well come true. Um, it's this direct connection that we think has worked so well. Um, through a handful of people, uh, we're really able to give Zoe Trust supporters a real connection to the children. And um, when we talk to our friends and colleagues, we can actually tell them we know the children we're talking about. 
Uh, we've been to South Africa, we've met these children, we've given them lifts to school, we've helped them with their homework, we've had dinner with them. You know, this really helps kind of drive that level of connection and keep people supporting these kids. Um, when, when we returned to the UK after our trip to, to, to Africa, Tanya made Laura a trustee of the, of the trust, along with an amazing young girl, Bridget, Bridget's cousin, Emily, who we'd met when we were in South Africa. In South Africa. Um, together with Emily, Laura, her, Laura and Emily have really grown their, the network of the Zoe Trust's uh, supporters. Laura's grown it with the organisation she works for, which is Shine Communications, and Emily's got her Bath University mates involved. Um, together they've raised over £25,000 in last year alone and helped us grow the, the amount of sponsors for the children to 60 individuals sponsoring the kids. Um, We've managed to build a, a children's home for them and also develop uh, an enrichment fund, which is really helping the kids. Uh, that probably doesn't sound that much compared to Comet Relief last weekend, which raised 75 million in three days. But we think it, it really makes a difference in a small community that we're able to do this. Um, the connections made to our charity, we, we, help, we think, are bringing together um, these kids and families and really using education to get them you know, out of that cycle. Um, and, and our hope is that while, whilst we, didn't you know, we weren't able to, to save Zoe, um, you know, we're really helping in her memory. When Zach and I first met, one of the things we first spoke about was Zoe. I'd actually lost my dad in a car accident two years before, and the revelation that Zach had suffered a terrible tragedy of his own, of losing someone he really loved passing too soon, sparked a connection between us. Four and a half years later, we were married. The way Zach and his family spoke about Zoe kept her memory alive and made me feel a kind of warmth towards her, a connection to somebody that I'd never actually even met. And that is exactly what we're trying to do with the Zoe Trust. The majority of our sponsors will never ever meet the kids and families that they're helping in Inglehuma, but we're bringing our personal connection and our personal experiences and our personal knowledge of that community to them to create those connections. Thank you. Thank you. I think we have time for one question before we move on. Anybody want to...? As many of the girls and boys have AIDS as well. Yeah, we're, 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 we're where the trust is set up, but 50% of the, the local population have HIV or AIDS. Um, they do have... Our, our charity doesn't necessarily provide kind of the education support, um, and there is, you know, medicines there for them. Um, I think part of the reason... I mean, particularly Numvula, what's amazing about her is that she's managed to stay out of, you know, to, you know her, both her sisters, for example, are, I think, 13 and 15, um, both have children. I think one of them has HIV, and Numvula's managed to kind of stay out of that. We feel that the education trust that we do, a lot of that is kind of sexual health in those kind of areas, um, and that's kind of how we're helping to, to get them out. I think education with so many of these things is how you, you get people out of this. But the other thing as well is, um, is supporting those child-headed families, so where they have had a kind of... Um, HIV and AIDS has had a direct impact on these kids in terms of their parents no longer being around. We, for some of the work that we do, is providing food packages and support for those families um, so that they can get by, basically, and, and then go to school because they don't have to worry about finding food. Thank you so much, uh, Zach and Laura. Thank you very much indeed. That was the Names Not Numbers podcast. There are many more on namesnotnumbers.com. Thank you for listening.